and welcome to And Let's Be Heard for Thursday, October 20th, 2022. I'm Mike Kachopoli. Okay, here we are, Thursday, Thursday. We are four-fifths of the way through the week. Four-fifths of the way through the week. Um, I just saw, before I start talking about what I wanted to lead with today, I just saw an incredible story on Tucker Carlson. Have you seen this story about this kid? His friend <clears throat> was being attacked by a bear, and he, he this kid went and tackled the bear? I mean, his friend was, like, being mauled by this bear, and this kid, they, they were wrestlers on, I think, the wrestling team, and this kid, like, went and attacked the bear and, like, hit it in the nose and kicked it, and then the bear started attacking him, and then the bear left and came back and started attacking him more, but this kid literally saved his friend from death by attacking this bear. Uh, that's, like, insane. I don't think I've ever heard anything like a story like that in my life. Imagine that. Someone's getting attacked by a bear, and this kid just... Says, hey, bear, fuck with me. And the bear did, but they're both alive, these kids. So crazy, crazy. Starting with the uh, human interest story, a human interest story on this uh, Thursday evening. Something positive to talk about. There are still good people out there who aren't crazy, who aren't selfish, who aren't sociopaths like like the CDC. Um, and I wanted to correct something quickly. Yesterday's show, I talked about the CDC. I was 24 hours ahead of myself here. I talked about the CDC voting 15 to nothing to put the <clears throat> COVID vaccination on the uh, immunity schedule, the vaccination schedule for children. They didn't do that yesterday. They did that today. Yesterday, they voted 15 nothing to, um, it was some kind of technical thing where kids could uh, get the vaccine for free or something. So. It's all the same, same, you know, it's the same thing. They voted unanimously to make it easier yesterday for kids to get the vaccine, which is unnecessary. Then today, of course, they voted on the, on the uh, immunization schedule. And of course, they voted for that also. So that's what they did. So yesterday was a different vote. Today was the vote I spoke about yesterday. It was obvious what they were going to do. I mean, 15 to nothing saying to make the, the vaccines more accessible for children when children don't need it. You knew the next day they were going to do this, and they did. So that's what they did, putting it on the immunization schedule. Luckily, we have many, many people running for governor and senator and senate, especially governors, because they would control this, saying that they would not do this, like Kerry Lake in Arizona and uh, Lee Zeldin in New York. They said they will not do this. Okay, they won't do it. <clears throat> They're not going to, if they elected governor, this will not be mandatory in their state. Children will not have to get these vaccines. We saw Ron DeSantis come out very strongly. In fact, I will uh, try to cue that up. I'll cue Ron DeSantis up to play uh, just a short period of time as he talks about how the the vaccine will never be, as long as he's governor, he says, as long as he's governor, the vaccine will not be mandatory for children to go to school. So once again, we see the lines being drawn, the same lines we've seen drawn over the last three years where Republicans are coming out and they're saying they're not going to make this mandatory. Democrats either will or have been very silent on it. What's amazing is I haven't seen Democrats, maybe someone can correct me, but I have not seen personally Democrats saying that they're going to do it. That's very interesting. I don't see, I haven't seen any Democratic governors come out yet and say this will be on <clears throat> their schedule in their states, which is very telling, I think. Very telling 
of the way this country sees this now. And everyone knowing that most parents do not want to force their children to get this vaccine. Most parents do not want to force their children to get this vaccine, have their children forced to get the vaccine in order to go to school. So we'll see what happens and where this goes. But we know the CDC are a bunch of evil, evil, evil scumbag creeps. Evil scumbag creeps. But thank goodness for governors like Rhonda Sanders. I have so much stuff on my Twitter feed that it becomes impossible for me to find things. And I need to change that. I've been doing too much. Well, the, <clears throat> the problem is lately now, I've been too, doing too much sports tweeting, as some of you may know out there. I'm doing too many sports tweets, so it takes up my entire... Here we go. All right, I'll play this now since I have it queued up. If I can just get this for a second. This is... I always like to play Ron DeSantis stuff. I like to play stuff. I like to play people who have common sense, you know? I like to play videos of people who have some some common sense. All right, let's see. Here we go. If I can cue this up. All right, Ron DeSantis. There's been a lot of questions uh, to our office about uh, the CDC protect, uh, potentially adding COVID vaccine to the childhood immunization schedule. And I know a lot of parents are concerned about that because if that's on the immunization schedule, the fear is that schools could potentially mandate your child to get a COVID shot even if that's not something that you want to do. So I just want to let everyone be clear, you know, as long as I'm around and as long as I'm kicking and screaming, uh, there will be no COVID shot mandates for your kids. That is your decision. That is your decision to make as a parent. Uh, these are our new shots. I get a kick out of when people kind of compare it to MMR and stuff, things that have been around for decades and decades. Uh, so parents, by and large, most parents in Florida have opted against uh, doing these booster shots uh, for their, particularly for the young kids. The Surgeon General of Florida does not recommend this for young kids, for kids under under 18. Uh, and basically, his reason for that, there's not really been a proven benefit for that. I mean, we can get into some of the potential side effects. You don't even really need to do that not been a proven benefit, but it's a free state. Parents can make the other decision if that's what they want. The important thing is, is that school districts are not mandating this choice. Okay, there you go. There you go. Isn't it nice to have someone with just total, like, I, I know, I know some people out there don't like the term common sense. For me, that's common sense. Like, the parents have the choice. We know there's no benefit. We know there could be, and there are very bad side effects, but as the said, there's no reason to really go into the side effects. There's no benefit to do this. There's no proven benefit to take this drug. Do you take drugs where there's no proven benefit for you to take them? Why, why would you take drugs where there's no, those are called like what? Like placebos, right? There's no, there's no proven benefit. Why, why take it? It's not going to do anything. So why do it? It's pointless. And so that's the point he's making. And, and Ladapo, the Surgeon General, has not only said there's no benefit and there are bad effects for kids, but there also is no benefit and there are bad effects for the people 18 to 39 years old. Bad side effects like myocarditis. And they've, they've, uh, they're against the uh, booster shots for anyone under 40. So that's the case in Florida. Florida is like a... Uh, what is, it's like this oasis of, of, of sanity, right? It's like this oasis of sanity that 
people are flocking to in droves. People from California, people from um, uh, Michigan and Illinois and New York, especially, they're flocking to, to Florida because they see common sense. People want to make their own choices. They don't want the government telling them they have to do things. See, it's, it's really, that's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. They don't want the government telling them what to do in their lives. Every step of the way, you must do this. You must act this way. You must do this. You must take this medication. You must take this drug. You must do this. You must do that. You know, when the government says, once again, to the left, when the government says you must have that child, they go insane, right? You can't tell a woman can choose. A woman and their doctor will choose. And, of course, they go insane. We know what they do. But for everything else, it's okay. Everything else, the government will tell you what to do. Here in California, the government regulates the hell out of businesses. They all leave. You got to do this. You got to do that. Look, there are basic things that I agree that, that, that in society, it's not even the government telling you to do this. Once again, there are basic common sense things that we should do in society, right? We, you can't hurt or kill someone else. If you have a building, you should put sprinklers in. Basic things that we can all agree on. That they only could be a road scholar, right? But for the most part, government should stay out of your life. Government should stay out of your life. And they say this is libertarian. Oh, Mike, you're very libertarian. What libertarian? This is just freedom. This is just this is being human and living in a free society. I don't live in China, okay? I wasn't born. I was lucky enough not to be born there. I'm not going to move there. I don't even want to go there for vacation for a week. So I don't understand. It's like I, I live here. I live here and we have a constitution here. So I don't see this as you're so libertarian. Everyone should be this way. You shouldn't have to be libertarian to be this way, to understand this, to believe in this. To me, this is just the ethical and moral humane way to be. It's called civilization to me. There should be no argument here. That there are people that argue the government should be able to tell you everything you have to do is ridiculous. Absolutely insanity. Absolute insanity. That's not what we elect people. You don't elect people to tell you what to do. That's not, oh, who am I electing? Who, let, me, let me see. Who do I want to tell me what to do? Which one of them? It's ridiculous. We tell them to do. Read the fucking Constitution. You can buy. I have a pocket one here. The pocket ones are not easy to read if you're over 50. But you can get the little magnifying glass. But come go online. Read the Constitution. We the people decide, not them, the government. It's so simple. Come on. Come on. I don't want to sound like one of those, you know, I don't want to like Archie Bunker in, in the 60s, you know, like love it or leave it. But seriously, love it or leave it. Love the Constitution, live by it, or leave the country. Incredible. Uh, Who's who's pro crime? No one. Don't be stupid. Well, the Democrats have kind of proven themselves to be pro crime. If you're for defunding the police, then you're pro criminal, aren't you? If you want to get rid of all the police, doesn't that make you pro criminal? I think it does. Once again, we're using logic here, simple logic. You know. So if you're constantly talking about how bad the police are and defunding them and having basically no police department or psychologists that go around <laughs> telling people to stop being criminals. That's hilarious. Psychologists, social work. Yeah. Social workers. Yeah. Yeah. If someone breaks into my house, I'm going to call a social worker. Get the fuck out of here. So if people believe that they're pro crime, 
They want criminals to excel at what they do, right? If you're constantly talking about how, oh, how poor and, oh, how disadvantaged these criminals are and they come from bad neighborhoods and, oh, we have to give them a second, third, and fourth, you're pro-crime. Because we know that doesn't work. We know they, they come out of jail and they kill someone else. Or if they go in for rape, they come out and they murder. We know this. This is common knowledge. Very few people who go into prison come out rehabilitated. Most of them come out and commit crime again. Often worse, which is why we see all these things happening where a guy does something and they look and they go, oh, my God, they get 85 mug shots. He's got a rap sheet three miles long. But this is the worst thing he's ever done. Yeah, because it gets progressively worse the more you get away with things. And the more some of these people mentally deteriorate. So this is, once again, I'm, I'm talking total logic. So if you're against all this stuff, if you think you want to downgrade attempted murder to simple assault, if you want someone to get out of prison in, in six months instead of, you know, you know, spending 10, 15, 20 years of their life there, you know, if you, if you want these things, if you believe in these liberal Soros back the age, you are pro-crime. You are helping criminals. And as I've said, the facts, the proof is in the pudding, as they say. The facts are there. And all these Democrat-run cities from coast to coast, from San Francisco, New York to Chicago, L.A., San Francisco, crime-ridden. Crime-ridden. They're all crime-ridden because democratic policies don't work, because democratic policies make crime worse, because Democrats are pro-crime. If they weren't pro-crime, they would have stopped doing this stuff a long time ago. They would have seen that, oh, we thought these things would work because we're bleeding hearts and we thought they would work. and we, you know, But they don't work, so we have to stop now. No, they don't just do that. They double and triple down, just like they did on mass and back and so on and so forth. So after, after a while, you are simply pro-crime. If you're not pro-fighting crime, if you're not pro-police, you are pro-criminal. And so that's what we're seeing in all these Democratic-run cities. They're pro-criminal. And the people in these cities, I know some of them, be it here in San Francisco or in New York, especially, are always complaining to me about how bad the crime is. Oh, it's so it's not what it used to be. You can't do this. You can't do that. You have to, you know, close, stores are closing early. Nothing's open 24 hours anymore. You can't go out the dark. And they keep on complaining how bad it's getting. And then what do they do? They don't, they don't like put two and two together and stop electing Democrats. They won't do that. So they think this is some, what do they think this is? Just like some lunar thing that's happening that's making crime happen more? It's like, it's not the Democrats, it's not the, it's not the policies, it's not the Democrats' fault, it's not the people in office who make these policies, make this crime possible. It's some kind of outer, outer space, space dust that the, this, I mean, what, what, who are they to, why are they not blaming them? It doesn't make any fucking sense. So they'll complain like they complained. Here's a prime example. People here complained about homelessness and crime under Willie Brown. Boy, was it better then than it is now. And then they elect Gavin Newsom and it gets worse and they elect, you know, who, who the fuck, Ed Lee. And then they elect London Breed. So you see, they keep on electing the same people. In fact, they keep, they keep electing worse people. Right. So in New York, here's another example. People just complained. I'll give you a very common, a very recent example. They complained about Bill de Blasio and how crime was exploding under Bill de Blasio and homelessness was out of control. And, and where they do, they elect Eric Adams, another Democrat who was actually worse. And things have gotten worse over the last the first year of his uh, first year of him in office. So, so they never seem to get it. Now, they got it a little bit in the 90s. Right. Crime was bad, and they elected a Republican. They elected, they elected Rudy Giuliani, who ran on fighting crime and being tough on crime. And then they stopped again. You see, it's, it's like they forgot what happened. 
It's like, oh, New York City is so much cleaner now, so much better. It's, believe me, I heard this from people in the 90s and early 2000s under the Giuliani regime. And then, of course, his policies and Bloomberg also. Bloomberg also. And, uh, oh, it's so nice here now. You can stay out late. There's no crime. It's one of the safest cities in the world. And they elect Bill de Blasio. They go back to a Democrat again. Once again, it's like they forgot what just happened. They forgot thing, the way things were five years ago or 10 years ago. And so they keep on doing that thing you do when you can't get out of a pattern. You go, you know, when you drive into a pothole and you go into that same street and you drive into a pothole, you go, damn it. Then you go a week later and you drive back into that pothole and then you ruin your car. It's the same fucking thing. It's like a, a psychological pattern that they can't get out of. They live in a big city and you got to elect Democrats. You got to hate Republicans, even if it means you lose your life. Even if a loved one or a friend loses their life. Ah. Because it's a very sick, twisted cult mentality. It's a very sick, twisted cult mentality. If I lived, let's say, not that I believe the right is racist. I believe the left is much more racist than the right. And they've proven that recently. But let's say I lived in a city in the South. And it was run by Republicans. And I found that it was very racist. Everything was racist. You know, the, the mayor was racist and... And all of a sudden, these racists were emboldened, and there was a lot of white supremacy, and then maybe the KKK came back. I wouldn't keep electing the same people over and over again. I'd make a change. I'd say, I don't like it like this. Yeah, I don't want to vote for Democrats, but I, you know what? I don't like it like this. I have to. Ch- we have to change something. I want to live in a better place. And these Democrats in these cities can't see that. They, can't, they don't want to vote for Republicans, so they'd rather be killed. Does that make any sense? How bad of a psychological disorder is that? And now, of course, we're talking Trump, Trump derangement syndrome. That's a that's on top of the usual cult mentality of the two party system. Now you have Trump derangement syndrome. So people really don't want to vote for Republicans because the Democrats are so good at fooling their schmuck voters into thinking every single person who's running with an R next to their name is a Trumper. So it's getting worse now because of Trump derangement syndrome that they will simply risk bodily harm. Because they don't want to vote for a Republican. And so, I'm, like I said yesterday, I'm tired of hearing their, their tears. I don't want tears anymore from them. I have no sympathy for them anymore. If you keep voting for these people, I have no sympathy for you. And when it really hits home, I can't have any sympathy for you. It sounds terrible. But you've, you've made this choice. You've made this choice to live like this because of your cult mentality, party cult mentality and the fact that you have you know such bad trump derangement syndrome that you can't see people individuals for what they are that everyone's different that's really is only one donald trump and that's like a fact that's like reality right that's real world is only one donald trump so uh, I, I once again the idea and then you have nancy pelosi coming out and having the nerve to say oh it's not crime's not the major issue it's abortion uh, give me a fucking break you old hag come on Come on, you say something like that, I have to assume that you're either a total fucking moron or you're just too old and you've lost it and it's time to go away, go out to pasture until your time comes. When you say something as stupid as that, when all of the polls say the opposite, when all the polls say crime and the economy, the top two issues and abortion is 30th, and you keep on fucking saying that abortion is a major issue because you want it to be. It's absolute insane and it really shows it makes you look like what you really are, which is a liberal, wealthy elitist that doesn't have to deal with crime 
doesn't have to deal with the economy. That crime is bad doesn't affect you. Although I will say that can get to anyone. But the economy being bad certainly doesn't affect her. Well, the husband's a criminal, right? He's DUI twice, almost killed someone last time. Look, and then you have the other schmuck, Abrams, I mean, a total dimwit. Once again, two things going for her that give her a chance in, 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 in the Georgia of 2022 because of Atlanta. She's black and she's a woman. In the Georgia of, of 1980, she had no shot. I pine for the days of Georgia in 1980. But now the current Georgia with Atlanta, how it's growing and it's, and it's all, it's as liberal, if not more liberal than New York City and, and uh, San Francisco, her being black and a woman gives her a shot. She won't win, but it gives her a shot now. She could not have even run 20, 30 years ago. So she's running and she's talking and she's a moron and she's on with um, uh, on MSNBC and she's asked, the polls say, that crime, that the economy, the economy is a number one issue, not abortion. And she says the dumbest fucking thing. I mean, she said many dumb things. Remember a couple of weeks ago, she said that the, the heartbeats that we see for that you detect in a child, you know, in a fetus is fake, that it's a Hollywood production. So on top of that, now she says, well, no, no, you understand. Having kids makes it tough on you. That makes that, that makes the economy worse having kids. So in other words, don't have kids. Maybe kill a few of them off if you have them. She's such a fucking idiot. So instead of just being a real human being and understanding, stop being a fucking liberal elitist. Maybe, let me let me tell the people of Atlanta something. Because she's black and a woman doesn't mean she's poor, okay? She ain't poor. In fact, she's richer than all of you put together, okay? So you have some fucking moron like this running for governor. And believe me, I'm no huge fan of Kemp. I thought he was too, too milquetoast during COVID. He should have been more like DeSantis, the guy who was, you know, in his neighboring state there. And certainly gave him the, the, the framework to be that way, but he wasn't. But anyway, he's a hundred times better than her. He's got a brain. He's got a moral compass, at least. I mean, this, this, like I said, to not even be able to be an actual human being, a mensch and say, yes, I understand that, that crime, the, the economy is important, that, that the economy is the number one issue. And this is what we're going to do about it. You try to conflate the issue of abortion and the economy. And then you say something as stupid as, Having children makes it tougher for you. So wait a minute. So what you're also saying, you're also saying don't have children or, or you know, maybe kill a few of them off. Makes your fam- make your family, you know, uh, the economy in your household stronger. Um, is, uh, is you're saying that like single people or people who are just married and have no kids don't have economic woes? So the single people and the married couples with no children in Georgia don't have any economic woes because they don't have children? It's so idiotic. How can anyone think about voting for these people? I don't know. Daniel, do you see any reason why people would vote for these people? Daniel, are you there? Woo, Daniel. Hey, have you ever tried to operate your phone with a wet hand? You can't do that. Do you have an you iPhone? can't do it. Do you, have a, do you have an iPhone? Yeah. And it fucks the whole thing up sometimes. So I know, it's, a, it's amazing. Um, just imagine if you were... Uh, in an accident and you had blood on your hands. How would you call nine one one? Wait a minute. That's you got a what's his name? What's the guy's name who runs iPhone now? Tim Cook? Is that his name? Yeah. You have to write to him and say the next iPhone, the iPhone fifteen or eighteen, whatever the fuck the next one. They need to make it so you, it can work with blood on your hands. Yeah, this is something that uh, I and colleagues have talked about for I don't know 
probably at least close to seven, eight years. The fact that you, if you're, if you're injured, badly injured, you're not going to be able to use your phone. No, I mean, I, seriously. Sometimes I will have a little bit of water, not a, you know, a little bit of water on my finger and I touch it and every, all of a sudden the screen goes crazy. Yeah. I can't, yeah. Do it, can't go up and down. Completely, <laughs> completely useless. Yeah. Speaking of completely useless, let's talk about those childhood vaccines. I want to run by. Good transition. Couple- Good transition. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to run by just a cu- couple numbers. Um, John Ioannidis just this week released an- another study publication that was uh, put in the Med Archive the, uh, preprint, um, and he broke down infection fatality rates um, by age groups. And so I'll, I'll, I'll talk because we're talking about the childhood vaccine thing. I wanted to talk about the zero to nineteen age group and yeah. his uh, recent estimates. Um, for the infection uh, fatality rate is point for, for zero to age zero to 19 is point zero zero whoops zero 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 three zero 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 three percent zero point zero zero three percent now to put this to put this in perspective so, uh, was that three thousandths of a, was that three thousandths of one percent is that right yeah Tens, hundreds, thousands, right? Yes. To put okay. this in perspective, I, I, I looked up the uh, some, some, some numbers, average size of high schools and things like that, um, to, to put this in perspective. And it would, it would, you would have to go through 600, you would have to look through 650 average size U.S. high schools to find one child who died from a COVID infection. And, and then we have to remember on top of that, that there, there's been numerous studies that have shown not a single child who has ever died, been, been said to have died, or that has been, uh, that, that CDC has classified as a COVID death, um, was a completely healthy child. These were people with, with serious, ch- children with serious chronic diseases. So there's a lot of children out there with serious chronic diseases. So, so, so the fact that you have to go to 650 high schools, 650, 650 high school worth of people, of children, to find one COVID death, that really puts it in perspective. To put, to, to have, make children take, to take this vaccine, when you say it does nothing, yes. That is exactly what it does in this age group. It does nothing for a group for, for which the coronavirus does nothing. Yeah, right. It does nothing. Absolutely nothing. The vaccine does not. nothing. The infection does nothing. Right. It, in other words, both, both do nothing. And, and, and here's the, this is the second point I wanted to make before we move on. Um, and this is something I talked to Scott Atlas about when um, after the talk last last week. And right. um it's 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 about the infection fatality rate. It is the most important number that we could have wanted. These these most important single number that anybody could have wanted during the last two and a half years. It it, it predicts so much. Yet our government didn't put anything. The CDC didn't put any money into trying to find out reasonable estimates of IFR. Instead, people like John Ioannidis had to use their own grant money and shuffle it around to try to find out the IFR by scrounging about through all kinds of data through different countries, et cetera, et cetera. The CDC was entirely disinterested 
in finding the single most important number to predict the, the, the severity of this disease and predict how widespread it was at any given time, because that's what you could do with this number. And they were totally uninterested in this. And when I talked to Scott Atlas afterwards and asked him why they, why, how this could possibly be, he simply said they aren't smart people. <laughs> well, okay, yeah. I mean, they're not—they're not—they're technically smart people, right? Because they have degrees and they went to school for a long time. No, these—these these, these are simply not smart people. The people, the people that were in charge of this shit, shit, shit from public health officials all the way up to the, to the WHO. I mean, who, who's the the, the 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 chief of the WHO at this point? The guy's not a doctor. He's not a physician. No, you're right. He's not. He, he's a lab. Te- he was a lab tech. He was a fucking lab tech. A lab tech, like a, a lab tech. Really? Yeah. That's, that's terrible. That's just awful. I don't get it. I mean, and so, well, basically, as Scott Atlas also said to us a lot of these people are in there because they know how to mo- they know how to um uh, they they know how to deal with politicians right they're basically politicians themselves right and that political minefield they know how to get around it and that's why a lot of these people are in these positions for 30, 20 30 40 years the same people because they are the best people at doing that and they have all these connections not only in politics but like scott atlas said like like uh, fauci he knew the names, right? He knew the names of the journalists by first names, like they were friends. Like a first, he knew these, like, hey, Andy, Andy Cooper, and you know, he knew them on a first name basis. He hasn't done anything that could be called science in over forty-five years. Mm-hmm. He's been an administrator for that long. He's been totally detached from anything that could be called science. You're right. Yeah, but yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. Once again, they are they are basically just bureaucrats, right? Yeah. We shouldn't even call them scientists or experts. We should call them bureaucrats. That is how they should be framed all the time. Call them what they are, and that is exactly what these people are. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, so, so those are the two points that, that I wanted to make, that uh, the, the total disinterest in finding out the most important number and uh, putting in perspective uh, the IFR for, for the 0 to 19 age group. It, it, the, the virus kills nobody. The vaccine saves nobody. And yet they're taking chances with children's lives from the known adverse effects. And there was a study that was out that we talked about about two weeks ago. I think it was in the Lancet that, 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 that showed the, the large number of, uh, of uh, adverse effects in that very same age group. And mm-hmm. it, it's, it's staggering. It's staggering. It's things that were causing significant uh, illnesses and hospitalizations. In, in in kids in that in that very age group and in the college college age group range, so for the college age group range, so twenty to twenty nine, it's uh, about uh, ten times higher. So you would have to go through a population of about sixty five high schools to find one one person who had died. Once again, these people were were, were people with serious chronic diseases. It's not like a healthy kid was dying. And, and a cold could have taken these people out just as well as a coronavirus could. And well, coronaviruses are a cold virus. It's, it's just the SARS-CoV-2 uh, virus is now itself a common cold virus. So anyway, that's that's the points that I wanted to make, and I'm going to sign off. Thanks, Daniel. I appreciate the call. Thank you. Well, yeah, and so yeah, you know, obviously, once again, we we've we have I have provided facts and evidence on the 
here now, and Daniel has provided facts on the show, and Bill and all the other callers have provided so many facts and evidence about the real numbers on this show for a year now, but this doesn't matter. That's the problem with all this. This does not matter. It doesn't matter to the people who have a certain um, mindset, a certain narrative they need to push. It does not matter. The narrative they, they, they started with in March of 2020 is the narrative they'll stick with till their dying days. Bill. Hey, there he is. Hey, Bill, how are you? Hey, Mike, can you hear me okay? Yep, loud and clear. Excellent point Daniel brought up. I mean, I didn't know that the numbers are... I knew they were in the point zero odd percentile, but I didn't know it was point zero zero whatever it was, zero three percent. Yeah, three, three, I guess that's three one thousandths of a percentage, right? Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, in other words, we say what? Statistically, insigni- statistically insignificant number, right? Basically, is what it comes down to. Another A number with any other norm, any other thing outside of COVID, we wouldn't even talk, be talking about it, right? Yeah, it's preposterous. It's, but yet you look at the flip side, like Daniel pointed out, the negative effects are marked from the myocarditis to the seizures to the all the other effects on men yeah. under 39. So what is it doing to kids? Do you well, that's, follow me? That, that's, what, that's what an adult, an adult should be able to do that. An, an, an adult, especially a parent of a child, should be able to say, okay, this is the percentage chance of this happening. This is the percentage chance of this happening. I'm going to decide on this. This yeah. is what the parents should be able to decide on for themselves and and for their children. And I think that's what Ron DeSantis just said, basically, in that clip I played. Right. That's a, this. This is what we do all the time. You know, Glenn Greenwald, Do you know, Glenn Greenwald. Sure. Okay. He he did it about a year ago, maybe more than a year ago. He did a show, a podcast, where he showed that we do this kind of critical thinking, you know, this um, cost effect thing, you know, it, it, all the time with with every issue other than COVID. In other words, he took uh, speed limits, and he said, "Look, we've done studies that have shown that if we lower the speed limit to twenty five on highways, there will be virtually no accidents." Okay, so let's talk about children. Children die in car accidents all the time. In other words, so if we lowered the speed limit to 25 on highways, no children would die in car accidents. And many, many and many, many more children die in car accidents than will ever die of COVID. So why don't we do that? We know that studies have been done that say this will definitely happen. If we do that. Well, why don't we do that? You know, Bill, you could go with me because you never get you. (laughs) You would never get you. It would take you three times as long to get to work right right people don't want to do that they, in other words they they've done the assessment and they said no it's not worth it in society for civilization for our lifestyles uh to do this to make this change even though we know we know it'll save lives so this bullshit of oh my god you're killing someone else if you don't take the vaccine well these same people would not want to go 25 miles an hour on the highway and we know that save li- that will save lives just like we know these COVID vaccines are not going to save any lives. <laughs> They're not going to save any lives of children, that's for sure. Yet we're forcing them to get it. So everything in life, from the speed limit to everything we do, we've always done this analysis. You know, should we do this? Should we do that? You know, we've made these assessments. But with COVID, we're not allowed to. We've never been allowed to make this assessment. It's just do as you're told. Wear that mask. Take the vaccine. Close your business and shut up. 
Well, yeah, you got to also add, it's a risk-benefit analysis for sure. Yes, you right. The risk-benefit analysis, that's the words I was looking for. The risk-benefit analysis we do for everything in life, we were never allowed to apply that to COVID. We were called, when we applied that to COVID, we were called conspiracy theorists and selfish. Yeah, well, also we were misled to believe that children who are asymptomatic could spread it to teachers and the, their grandpa and their grandma and yada, yada, yada. And wait a minute, we, we were led to believe that, you know, so many, so many things that were false, yet the flip side of all the negative effects of lockdowns, like you said, and from the societal negative effects to then the vaccine to the health negative effects, the whole thing has been, been a complete, debacle and disaster, you know, for something that the, the, obviously the PCR test can't prove even exists, let alone, I'm not suggesting there isn't a gain of function virus, which is a segue into the next thing I wanted to mention, but let me stop there and let you, you know, if you want to comment on what I just said, then I want the funding for Boston university, this 80% death kill uh, chimera virus come from none other than the NIH and Fauci. <laughs> are, you, are you serious? Yeah. I put it in the, again, if you go into the, the links, the chats, this was funded oh, yeah. Yeah. March 2020. Wow. By Fauci and the NIH. That's shocking. You know, that's it's 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 really insane. And then they give you the usual like 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 Fauci's done when he's when he's lied on oh, yeah. you know in front of Rand Paul saying we never did gain of function. We never you know they they, they lie. They just simply oh, lied. God. Or they Use a technicality. Well, okay, it may not be technically gain of function, but it's something else that's like it that we shouldn't be doing. You know, it's like Fauci when he when he lied about his his um his the money he gets and his taxes. And he remember he told that senator, "Oh, it's all there for public consumption." You idiot! Remember he said you're under his breath. What a moron! But it's mm-hmm. not. He was blocking the real stuff we needed to see, which is all the extra shit he gets, not his salary. Yes, his salary from the NIH, his government salary, is public information. But a lot of this other stuff is not. And that's what this guy was trying to get to. What other money are you making? So Fauci lied. He lied. You know, and this is what they, they're constantly doing this. They have the lie. They play, you know, game, games with words, verbiage, when we know they're just totally full of crap. Oh, yeah. It's uh, changed the definition of a vaccine, change the definition of gain of function, change the definition of, I don't know, of, of what it is, what the hell coronavirus even is. Uh, no, it's... Change it's the definition of a man and a woman, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, they literally do that. They're literally doing that. They're, mm-hmm. not, they're not even ashamed to, right? When you ask, when you ask someone who's going to be the next Supreme Court justice, can you, can you say what, can you describe what a woman is? And they say, she says, no, I can't. You know, you're in trouble, right? That's, 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 this is, don't forget, this is the New World Order, uh, WEF. This is their agenda to eliminate gender, uh, eliminate, uh, well, I would suggest it's a eugenics program, really, at the end of the day, you know, and eliminate the useless eaters, um, even Yuval Haraldi is caught saying that on tape. And when now they've changed that to, you know, 
the useless workers where 80% of us will be useless workers by 2050 due to AI advances, you know, yeah. so what do we do? So what's the explanation? What do they intend for the masses, the meta universe and drugs? Yuval Harari says that their spokesperson that meets with their members of mm -hmm. the world economic forum. This is, this is, this is, and we, yeah. <laughs> heavy stuff isn't it heavy stuff it's it's evil i mean i don't have any kids or grandkids and i'll be long dead before we get there but but i do care about humanity and about just human existence on this planet it's like that this is absolutely the whole thing the, the world health organization hijacking our immune systems you know what's oh i just read shoot which country it was that bought enough vaccines to inoculate everybody 10 times over going into the future, Canada and another country, they literally are planning these, this MRNA platform to be the platform for all vaccines in the future, for anything that they determine um, is coming forward. In fact, oh, I got a Biden just put up all kinds of money for future, you know, uh, uh, programs to stop, you know, all these new, what they project are these, all these new viruses that are going to be coming out and how they're going to do it. It's all mRNA platform. You yes, follow me? Absolutely. It's oh, absolutely that, insane. That, Biden, yeah, that game plan he put out for yeah. the next, why, first of all, so what is he talking? So he assumes there's going to be another one while he's president? Is he, is he hoping there's another one in the next two years? Who cares what his plan is? He's not going to be he's not going to be president the next time this happens. It's been what? It's been 100 years between them. It's ridiculous. So what, what are they hoping? It's only he's so it, basically he's hoping there's another one while he's president so he can institute this plan. No one's going to give a fuck about his plan when he's out of office. He's ridiculous. Did you see that plan? A minimum four month lockdown. Yeah, well, this is this all comes, of course, they, they're they, they're lockstep. The Bill Gates Foundation, our government, the CDC, which, by the way, the Florida Surgeon General sided in the war room with Steve Bannon is extremely corrupt. And all I have links to all majority of this in your chat, by the way, I, I get I got to find the Biden plan. But that Biden plan is coming from Big Pharma and the World Health Organization, the World Economic Forum. That you know, don't forget, Bush one was talking about the new world order commonly back in. You know, this is a these these are plans they've had for decades, or if not, uh, you can even go back technically to Albert Pike, uh, thirty-three degree Freemason Confederate general, who said there'll be three world wars, and then he, he named it. You know, while he was a Confederate general, but, I mean, there's a lot of evidence. I know this may sound conspiracy theory to some people, but that. Um, let me just say the, the plant Jay Bhattacharya wrote the plan for the next pandemic is terrible. Minimum 130 day lockdown to start any pandemic. No reasonable randomized trial or safety testing before deploying a novel vaccine at scale and support for gain of function work forever. This is the this is the plan of this of this of this. Yes, it is. Yeah, it's nuts. You know, how about the how about this plan? Vitamin D3. You know yeah. what I mean? I no, mean, but basically the plan is maybe? to do exactly what we did this time that didn't work. Yeah. Maybe no, even worse. Can, maybe do even worse. We can't make any money on vitamin D3, zinc, 
you know, uh, apples to get the zinc ionophore to go with the zinc. You know, in other words, quercetin comes from fruit and apples, which is hydroxychloroquine, which, by the way, there were studies that you can go back and find the hydroxychloroquine zinc and I think it was erythromycin. There was an antibiotic they combined just for prophylactics that had a great recovery rate. And they knew about this within the first several months of the of the COVID thing. Well, you can even go back to 2005 right. and find our articles on, on chloroquine and coronavirus being a safe and effective treatment. I mean, this is all bullshit. They have been keeping health. It's not, it's not a healthcare system. It's a sick care system That's what it based is. on big pharma. You know what I mean? This, this, it's so frustrating to see how, not to mention, here's another thing, Mike, there's an article in the Guardian if you can find on um I'm so upset I'm having a little trouble thinking right now. I agree, it's, man. It's, it's on, often happens to me too. <laughs> yeah, brain brain freeze, like I'm like furious. <laughs> right? Glyphosate and gut bacteria breakdown. The foundation of our immune systems are in our stomach. If you can't digest the food you're eating because the bacteria have been decimated, so you're not creating the digestive enzymes, you can't absorb that food and you can't have a healthy system. You end up with a gut dysbiosis and you have all kinds of irritable bowel syndrome and everything else. And you get, if you're sick in your gut, chances are you got other problems that become systemic. I mean, that's the root of our immune system, right? Well, the glyphosate is the active ingredient in Roundup, which is spread on all commercial uh, growing fields to reduce weeds. For and 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 it's in our commercial produce. It's in our commercial grains, and that it's like if you're going to build a house, you're going to erode the foundation as you're trying to construct something on top of it when you want it to last a lifetime. No, this 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 holistic. You see, um, you get you keep in mind you take like. I was Hipp Hippocrates, right? Or is that the right pronunciation? I think back in the Greek time, Hippocrates, 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 that's what Hippocrates, I'm Hippocratic oath, right? Yeah. yeah. It was always about holistic health, everything, holistic health, with, because we're holistic beings. Do you follow me? Yes. And so it, it's nonsense to, to have like, it, it, they knew this back then. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you, people, for example, have heart disease. They know it's not just the diet. It's also the stress in their lives and right. whether their relationships are, are productive or not. And when they lost a job, there's losses in people's lives. All this, we know yeah. simplest allegories, how it affects heart disease. So how the hell do we think it's not these, you know, diet? Um, uh, but what, here's another thing people don't think about. The petrochemicals under someone's sink today, are, are, there's more chemicals under someone's sink today than on, used to be in a lab in the, in the 1950s. That includes your cosmetics and your body care, not to mention your cleaning products. You know what I mean? You know, when I, watch, when I watch TV, when I, when I watch, you know, Fox News a lot, I see a lot of ads and the obviously a lot of pharmaceutical ads. But the ad I see, ads I see more often than anything else are two different ads. One is for sleep problems, right? And the other is for constipation. <laughs> so you know that those are two huge issues in this country, right? People not being able to sleep and people being constipated. And that goes back to what you were talking about, about your gut, right? Yeah, sure. you know, so these are huge issues in this country. Now you wonder, people, of course, don't think, why? Why do people have such trouble with, with digestion? 
well, look at look at the food here. I spoke about this a couple of shows ago. You know, the food here compared to food in Europe. The the diets here, the diets people have. You know, there's a reason why people here are so fucking constipated all the time. Another thing that you, that causes constipation is all this like anxiety about life, right? Um, stress that also causes that. But like you said, until something like that, something that simple can be fixed. That a lot of this other stuff is just gonna, is just gonna, is just gonna, it's gonna be part of the issue. Also, it's gonna be part of the problem. Also, absolutely. And clearly, if you're having gut problems, it can contribute to insomnia because who can sleep when your bowels are distressed? Exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah. It all, it all goes hand in hand, right? It's like a chain. It's like exactly. a chain effect. You know, I want to play something before I forget. Do you know this guy, uh, Malcolm Roberts, in Australia? No. Who is that? He's a senator in Australia. And he start, they are starting trials in January, just as I hope Republicans will start trials. They're starting a Crimes Against Humanity trials. This guy is fantastic. The, I'm going to play. It's become clear. Yeah, I'm going to play his video. In this okay. I'm just going to, sorry, going to cue it up, and then we can all listen to it. It's about a minute long. Okay, here he is. Uh-huh. It's become clear that people in this country and globally have been steamrolled. It is also clear that it has been coordinated globally. It is also clear that it has been integrated, not just over six months, not just over two and a half years, but it has been planned over decades. The changes to legislation in this country were done so that they could control doctors and people. But people are waking, and it's thanks to people like Dr. Altman and all the presenters here today, thanks to people like Senator Babette and Craig Kelly. We know and we knew that this is all bullshit and that we've been had. But we are going to hound you down, the people that are guilty. We are going to hold you accountable and we will expose your global agenda so that the people of Australia can be free in the future. Because I love my kids and I'm looking forward to my grandkids. And we are going to save this country. Thank you. How great is that guy? I mean, that, that's like one of the best politicians I've ever heard. You know, I agree. Remember, Australia was really, really authoritarian, right? With their with their lockdowns and keeping people in and shutting everything down and and they had like several of them they had like four or five of these ridiculous lockdowns right every time someone sneezed they had another lockdown so that that horrible prime minister they have here that bitch you know so um it it, it uh, that they're in New Zealand also almost as bad so I'm glad to see this now that they're going to start holding these hearings in January now imagine how great this will be come January when you have these hearings worldwide basically right. You'll have them here if the Republicans win. You'll have them in Australia. And 2023 can be a great year, right? It can be a year we really expose these bastards for what they are, like he said. So it gives me a little bit of hope, you know? Well, for sure. I mean, you know, Mike, this goes back to the Rockefeller Medicine, the Flexner Report, if you recall that in the... I think that was, I got to check the years. It was 1930s, if I'm not mistaken, in that era where Rockefeller, it may have been the 40s. But anyway, the point is there was a guy, Flexner, that he had to make reports on, um, don't forget, before antibiotics, before uh, Rockefeller, Big Pharma, there was only the most, the, the, the universities were teaching holistic, naturopathic ways. That's that's all there was, was herbs and um, uh Actually, Jay, let's see, there was Rudolf Serrell, I believe his first name was Serrell, which 
morphed into seropharmaceutical. Rudolf Searle talked about uh, colloids and health. He wrote a book in 1920. In other words, they didn't have antibiotics and the, and the t medicines that come from big pharma we have today. Things were derived from herbs that, and plant products, which, by the way, we talked about. That's where the vast majority of medicines come from, along with uh, certain uh, uh, soil derivatives, like um, ivermectin is actually derived uh, from a soil bacteria. Do you follow me? Yes. So this is... This was the root of medicine, right? You can think about the American Indian medicine, Chinese medicine, all around the world. There was no big pharma until Rockefeller medicine. And the Flexner wrote disparaging reports on naturopathic colleges, and a lot of them were defunded. And, of course, we had this move towards what we know today as our medical care. I argue it's sick care. It's not holistic. It's not medical. It's yeah, not, no, it is. Know. It's sick care. It is yeah. 100% sick care, of course. There's no doubt about it. That's exactly what it is. That's mm -hmm. exactly what it is. And that's how they continue to make you know, uh, money. Uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Alistair Kratt on Twitter says, Pfizer and Moderna committed premeditated mass murder helped by mm -hmm. the CDC, FDA, major hospitals, physicians, and pharmacies. We're talking millions of injuries and deaths worldwide. Where's mm -hmm. the U.S. Department of Justice? Where's the FBI? Where's the police? Since December of 2020, the law has been mocked and violated to no consequence. You know, it, I, I'm really happy that we're starting to finally hear people speak out about this. And I truly believe the accountability is just months away. Accountability is just months away. And I think when this happens, um, I really think it will not only help the cause of, 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 of bringing these people to justice, but also really going to help our cause going into 2024. You know, with the presidential election, because this will all be exposed about the Democrats and Biden uh, and how they've all been planning this for a very long time. And so that's that's very important. That's very important. You know, obviously, the first step comes in, what, 19 days, you know, with the with the midterms here. But I'm feeling more and more confident about that. I mean, the latest real clear politics uh, poll says that the average of polls says that the right now, hopefully it stays this way, it gets even better. The Republicans will take back the Senate by like three seats. So they'll have the House and the Senate, and that, that's, that's going to be so important. So, But it seems though we're getting closer and closer to November 8th. Republicans are, have, a, have a lot of momentum. And a lot of it, I believe, obviously crime, obviously the economy, but I think a big part of it is also people waking up to what's happened and how they don't want this to happen again, right? And it could happen again as early as next year if Democrats keep control. So hopefully also Republicans will win the governorships also, and that will also help. So... That's my hope. It's looking better. By the, by the day, it's looking better. I think it's going to be a very, very big election night. I think it really is. And to me, that's the beginning. That'll be day one of the beginning of justice being served. Day one. Just to start, though. Just a, just a vanguard. Just a vanguard. Well, you know? I think any systems we look at, whether it's health or prison systems, I think it's important to consider a holistic approach. For example... This is not sounding um, in any way unrealistic. I live in Bridgeport, right? And it's called a sacrifice zone now uh, with the outsourcing of jobs, uh, with the, what was left behind and EPA cleanups that need to be done, the cluster health problems. And we also have a huge crime rate now and jobless rate. And so what happens here is with 
it's all a, a progression, right? It, which is really a regression, a, a spiral into a giant uh, cesspool. What, what, what happens here is, you know, Bridgeport was a manufacturing hub in New England for wartime. Right. And, you know, you had Sikorsky, which is right over the town line in Stratford. You had uh, General Electric, Westinghouse, uh, uh, Remington Arms, for example. Just there was 500 manufacturing facilities here. My grandma used to say to me, oh, the old story was because she's long dead now was if you lost a job in Bridgeport, you walk 10 minutes, get another job. They had housing <laughs> developments. <laughs> Right, Success Park, Father right. to house the people and including immigrants like my grandpa, who came over from Italy and worked. Um, let's see, Grandpa Sansone. Uh, grandma ended up working with for the phone company after the kids uh, grew up. Uh, grandpa Sansone. Oh God, where did he start? And I'm drawing that senior moment here, where he started working in uh, in a factory line, worked his way up, was able to buy a house in Bridgeport and raise raise a family right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well then of course my father opened worked for big pharma uh that's another story he actually worked for jb cyril for two and a half decades and uh he's the one instilled in me the uh, the idea to go with where the pharmaceuticals are actually come from you know what i mean that yeah, he yeah. opened me up to it yeah, and but, then you, you know, as long as as long as big pharma has the control they have, and look at what's happened over the last three years, they have more control than they've ever had. These things are never gonna they're never gonna come to fruition here. No, no, that's true. This is the problem. You're absolutely right. Corporate capture, and so so now, yeah. I, I mean, just trying to tie a bow on this and, and get to a point is that um, you're absolutely right about that. We we have now the outsourcing of jobs. Uh, to the degree where when my father had a bicycle shop where he had six employees, small pedal bike bicycle shop. And again, mom got to stay home until the kids are grown up and she wanted to work after that, mm -hmm. didn't need to. And uh, uh, we went to that, to the bike shop got foreclosed on during the pandemic because they got behind their taxes, which, by the way, there's just been a federal a law passed, you cannot foreclose because people are behind in their taxes. That's been the judgment that uh, Robert Barnes mentioned in one of his Viva Free interviews that I just saw. But it's too late. They foreclosed on the on the building because the fellow who uh, worked for us for years bought it. Family carried the note. He got behind in his taxes and his utility bills, and they foreclosed on it during the damn pandemic. Great. He couldn't get... He couldn't get the CARES Act money because he was behind more than two years in his taxes. Right. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I so yeah. The only, only bike shop left in a city of 150,000 people. If you include the uh, other townships till you get to the next bike shop, you're looking at 250,000 people. Right. This shows you how depressed it is here in Bridgeport is what I'm trying to say as a barometer. All right. You know, I'm going to go into a story here in a second that's going to tell you how depressed it is here. In, in San in San Francisco, um, right? But it, so, it, go, ahead, go, ahead, go ahead. So what happens here is you get this downward spiral, right? And then of course the crime rate starts going up because yep, yep. 
Yep. People aren't working. Right. You follow me? The young people are growing up. Mm -hmm. Basically, in the hood, a lot of them. Seriously. Mm -hmm. I mean, they passed a law here where they, the cops can't go after kids on quads and, and dirt bikes anymore. You know, the drug runners. Because of accidents that were happening where innocent people were getting killed. So now they got to find other ways to surveil and get these 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 youngsters who why did they get into that because the only serious job opportunity this is not bullshit in this area is come down to the walmart in stratford do you follow me which who the hell can what kind of future is that for anyone they they only work your part-time and then you gotta get on food stamps you see what i'm saying yeah. and so what, it went from a wealthy thriving uh, although problems with pollutants, for sure, that's a whole nother matter. But to to uh, what Paul Newman called the armpit of America at one point before he died, he lived in, he lived in Westport. Paul Newman did a movie here called it the armpit of America. So so this didn't happen by in a vacuum. And obviously, then the crime rate and the prison incarceration rate goes up because what, you know, there before the grace of God go, I, I didn't grow up in the hood. Do you follow mm -hmm. me? I didn't grow up in a situation as a child. Like the, the song that Elvis sang in the ghetto, for example. I'm yeah. sure you're familiar with that in song. In the ghetto, in the ghetto. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Great song, right? That's and, a great song. There's, there it is in a nutshell. I'm not, it's not having a stupid, liberal, bleeding heart. This is just life. It's a holistic experience. We're all here together. So now you get, you get to put a kid in prison. He comes out with a record, young man, try and get housing, try and get a job. There's no very little vocational training in prison. There are companies that do utilize the prison system to manufacture goods. So, you know, that's a whole nother matter. These, Bill, these all, these all tie into this. I understand that. They but do. I think, but right now when we're talking about, look, it's almost like you're in a war, right? You're in a war zone and you, you're in a war and you're thinking, okay, what do I have to do to survive right now? What do I have to do to win the war? You can, get, you can get into these intellectual things. Well, what caused this war? Let's go into what caused it. No, no. At that point, you have to just stay alive and win the war. And right now, I'm sorry, but I believe a lot of the things you're saying are, are accurate. I do. I've talked about them in the past, but okay. I just think right now we're in a situation where you have to look at the reality. And right now we are being preyed upon by people, regardless of why they're preying upon our, us. The, the, the sociological, philosophical, whatever it may be reasons they're doing it, it's happening. We are in a war at home and we have to win. We have to defend ourselves. You know, it's like in a war when they say people come back from war and they killed people. And you go, how could you kill people? And they say, well, because they would have killed me <laughs> or my, my, my friend if I didn't kill them. Well, this is the same situation we're in now, man, here. People are getting killed. They're getting raped. Their, their businesses are getting robbed. I'm going to read a story in one second. Bill, I'm going to have to let you go, okay? But okay. Uh, we'll, we'll talk. Yeah, call again tomorrow. We'll talk more about this tomorrow. But I just okay. want to get into this final story here. And it ties into this whole idea of crime and the fact that we're under attack here. Not only our lives, our livelihoods, but like, yeah, people's businesses. People are closing. Another one here, a, a business called here in San Francisco, a business called Soda Paxi is shuttering at San Francisco location less than a year. Listen to this, Bill, and everyone else. Uh, less than a year after it opened. So this opened basically, you know, during COVID. CEO Davis Smith said the company was robbed less than a week after it opened with windows smashed and thousands of dollars of product being stolen. 
Our store is hit by organized theft rings several times per week, Smith said. Several times per week. The city has recently announced a reduction of police presence in this neighborhood despite mass scale crime. Utah CEO of Soda Paxi announces they're closing the San Francisco store at the multiple breaks in town embarrassing. Our team is terrified. They feel unsafe. I grew up in Latin America and I never felt this unsafe. Something has to change in San Francisco. Soda Paxi isn't the first business to leave and likely won't be the last. Organized retail theft has plagued San Francisco thanks to California making theft of less than $950 in goods a nonviolent misdemeanor. San Francisco didn't even care to prosecute those misdemeanors under the tenure of D.A. Chesa Boudin, and now the city has lost control. Walgreens closed 17 locations due to the rampant thefts, and business owners frequently saw the people who vandalized the store from their businesses out in the street. Just days. So imagine that. You see a person who stole from you, and days later they're out, and then they'll come back and steal again. Theft isn't the only issue, because San Francisco's Democratic leaders get queasy about prosecuting quality-of-life crimes something Rudy Giuliani cracked down on and crime shot down in New York City. The quality of life has deteriorated. Residents in some neighborhoods have, restored, have resorted to carrying tasers or baseball bats to protect themselves from unruly drug-addicted residents. San Francisco is ranked as the city's residents. San Francisco is ranked as the city residents most want to leave. So number one, in residents most want to leave the city. This is the one, San Francisco. And they and the businesses heading for greener pasture, taking tens of millions of dollars in tax revenue with them. San Francisco ousted Boudin, but the liberal mindset that has put the city in situation hasn't faded. California and San Francisco are still run by Democrats who don't care if residents are living in neighborhoods being ruined by drugs, homelessness, or crime. San Francisco needs a full course correction. Or more businesses will be joining Soda Paxi and closing their doors. So this is – and when – so – this is from the Washington Examiner, uh, opinion by Zachary Faria. So when he says course correction, what, what does Zachary mean? <laughs> well, stop voting for Democrats. People here and other cities, like I said, at the beginning of this show, run by Democrats, continue to vote for Democrats, thinking, oh, this, this new Democrat will be different. No, but they have the same mindset. These liberals all have the same mindset. They don't understand this. That's why people run as a Democrat. They have the same mindset. This is why people, if you have a different mindset, if your mindset changes, you have to leave the Democratic Party like Tulsi Gabbard has, like I did. Like many people who have listened and called into the show over the last year have told me, as we will see in 19 days, a big reason why Republicans are going to win is because people have left the Democratic Party. And this is what has to happen. You cannot keep on voting for the same mindset. The person may look different. They may be a different gender. They may be a different race, but they have the same mindset. That is the problem. And this is what we're seeing here in San Francisco. This is what we're seeing. This is why people close their doors now. If they, if they continue to have the nerve to keep a business, they're closing at 8 instead of 11 or 9 instead of midnight because they are afraid to be open late. They are afraid to be open late. I had a place across the street from me. It was like this uh, wonderful frozen yogurt. It was like a smoothie place. Uh, acai, right? There's acai things. And I, and I went there once and I said, they closed like at seven. They closed like at sunset. And I said, what are you closing? On Friday and Saturday, they closed at seven. I, I asked the guy, I said, why are you closing so early? Sometimes I want to come down like at nine o'clock and get a smoothie on the weekend. He goes, 
because I'm afraid my workers are afraid to walk back to public transportation after dark. Their workers were getting either attacked or robbed or assaulted or annoyed or whatever it may be by 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 the homeless, by whoever it may be. And they said we we have to close before the sun sets. How sick is that? How sick is that? And in the year 2022, in a major city, a business has to close at sunset. There was a movie called The Sound, The Town That Dreaded Sundown. <laughs> and it was about Texarkana and, you know, serial killer there. But that's this is what basically these, these democratic cities have become, the towns that dread sundown. And we have to stop that. And if it means doubling the police department, fine. If it means at this point, if it means doing like they do in Israel and having cops and military people walk around with Uzis, then fucking do it. We have to stop this now. And like I said, we can talk about the societal effects and, oh, why people do this and how we have to change things from the ground up and we have to change the way we... I get it. And inner cities and the cycle of violence. And I get it. I get it. But right now, it's almost like if you're if you're bleeding, if you're bleeding and you have to just stop the bleeding, right? You can't worry about anything else. You can't worry about anything you do after that. Whatever is going to come, treatments are going to come after that, come after that. But you have to stop the bleeding. That's what has to happen. And believe me, I'm the last person that wants a police state. All right. I'm the last person that wants to see, you know, have to see cops everywhere. But we're getting to the point now where it's even more than that. Yes, it, it, obviously it's a deterrent. So that that's like I'd say that's step number one. Look, I'm not a crim, I'm not a criminologist, I'm not a politician, I'm not a crime expert, but I would say step one would be more police, right? That's a deterrent, right? Crimes are, are much more likely to happen when there's no police there. Okay? So that's number one. But that's just the beginning of it. They have to be prosecuted. People have to understand, if I do this, I'm going to jail for a long time. I'm going to jail for a long time. I think we need to increase penalties. We need to increase penalties. Even the penalty seems harsh now. We have to do that because people have to understand that this cannot happen. You cannot do this. You cannot go into a store and steal $945 worth of, 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 of product and not go to jail and be able to do it again the next day. People have to know that there are consequences for actions. And we've talked about this with the COVID people, right? So I'm talking all levels. Hey, I'm, I, I don't really talk about prosecuting, you know, the low-level criminals, the people from inner city. I talk about prosecuting Fauci and the, the millionaires and billionaires. I talk about prosecuting everybody who commits crime. And that's what has to happen. There has to be consequences for actions. Has to be. That is also a deterrent. If I know I can go into Walgreens today and steal this and go back tomorrow and steal that, I'm going to be fine with a slap on the wrist or just at the most being processed. It's worth it. That makes crime worth it. Right? That makes crime worth it. Which is the opposite of what is supposed to be the case. So basically, that's what has to stop. If people know if they do this, they're going to jail. They'll stop doing it. But right now they know they're not going to jail. They know that. It's a sure bet. It's a sure bet. If I go into Louis Vuitton and steal $900 worth of items, I'm not going to jail. Or at the most, I'll spend the night and be out the next day. Totally worth it. Totally worth 
And then, they'll, of course, they sell those products, all right? They sell those products. So it's, it's certainly worth it. Absolutely worth it. We have to make it not worth it. And that's, that's what has to change. So more police presence, up these penalties, prosecute these crimes, put these people in jail. I guarantee you, you do that for a solid year and this and crime will go down. Giuliani proved it in New York. And I'm not a huge Rudy Giuliani fan. I think he has his own dictatorial style I don't like. But believe me, that issue of crime shot down in New York once he started prosecuting these quality. In other words, people went over a turnstile. They went to jail. And people are like, oh, God. Oh, that's so severe. No. No, then people stopped going over turnstiles, you see. And then they found out that when that guy was arrested for going over the turnstile, oh, he had a warrant out for something. You see, that's the way it works. That's the way it works. So you have to, even if, even if you do it for a short period of time, you have to do this. You have to prosecute these quality of life issues. Someone breaks a window. You go, oh, Dunley broke a window. No, put him in jail. And you'll be surprised. You'll see that person who breaks that window or goes over that turnstile often has other things warrants that are out for their arrest, other things they have done. And that's the point. That's the point. And so that's what has to happen. I mean, Rudy Giuliani has the framework for this. We have the blueprint from the 1990s in New York City on how to do this stuff. But of course, in the blue cities, oh, Giuliani, that guy, the Trump guy, oh no, I don't want to hear about it. Because they're insane with Trump derangement syndrome. So they'll harm, they'll do self-harm because of their Trump derangement syndrome. Then you try to be logical and go, no, I'm not talking about Giuliani now. I'm talking about Giuliani three decades ago as mayor of New York. That's before he had anything to do with really with Trump, other than some stupid things he did, some very odd videos. But, but um, that's what I'm talking about. But you can't talk logically with these people. You can't say, look, this is a problem that needs to be taken care of. Your lives will improve. Society will improve if we do these things. And yet they'll complain and they'll complain, they'll complain, and they'll keep on electing the same people who want to defund the police, who don't want to increase police presence, who don't, who, who want to, you know, uh, if someone commits a crime which should be attempted murder, they want to bargain it down, plea bargain it down to simple assault. These are the people who are complaining, yet these are the politicians, this is exactly the policies they do over and over and over again, which does not work. It does not work. So we'll see what happens here. I don't know. Once again, and then you have London Breed, the moron mayor of San Francisco, who is blaming these people for leaving. Oh, it's their fault. It's their fault the city's going to shit because they're leaving. If they didn't leave, the city wouldn't go to shit. She has everything asked backwards. Everything asked backwards. When it was her policies who caused this and her predecessor's policy, I'm not putting it all on her, but her predecessor's policies who also caused all this and then her policies of lockdowns, right? Of businesses having to close for a year, year and a half and then having ridiculous restrictions on the amount of people who can come in. They had to wear masks. They had to be vaccinated. Fuck her. Give me a fucking break. And she has the nerve to blame businesses and corporations for leaving? Incredible. Uh, all right. I think I'm going to end it on that note. Anything else I want to talk about today?
Let me think. No, I think that's it. All right. Well, remember, this show is on Monday night through Friday night. Airs at 11 p.m. Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. if you're in London. The name of the show is And Let's Be Heard. I'm Micah Chopley. Remember, always remember, 19 days to go. 19 days to go. Vote Democrats out of office. Vote them out now. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you tomorrow night.